Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to ask you to help me out here. Uh, It's true and false, so everybody just kind of just chime right in there. Five questions. Number one, true or false? You need to be married to be a complete person. That would be? Number two, being married will make you happy. True or false? (laughs) Number three, being married to somebody you love will make your marriage successful. Number four, being a Christian guarantees a God-blessed marriage. And then number five, God designed marriage. Had to get at least one true one in there, didn't I? Um, The series we're in right now is called The Jesus Difference. And there is a maxim that comes out of this series that actually comes right out of the book of Ephesians that this series um, flows from. And the maxim states this, that if Jesus isn't making a difference in any relationship or area of our life, it's because he's absent. You see, Jesus always makes a difference. And one of the areas that Jesus has made an incredible difference in, both historically and up unto and through today, is the area of marriage. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you uh, to grab it right now. If you have the Bible on your phone through the Bible app, would you take your phone out and open it up as well? If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, you could use a QR code, scan that, and you get the Bible app on there. I think you'll find it to be really, really helpful. What I'm hoping to do as we read through this is give you a little bit more insight as well as for you to bookmark it. You can take a look back at it a little bit later this week. Ephesians 5 starts out verse 21 with these words. I'm gonna ask you to read them with me. So everybody ready? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, one more time, ready? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hold that thought for just one second. The passage we're about to read is the most often read passage in Christian wedding ceremonies, and then it is the most often ignored one afterwards. <laughs> Remember verse 21 said this, submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. That's the foundation. Then verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, after all. No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are the members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Pause for a second. The word mystery there, it's not talking about a mystery as in something to be discovered, 
but it's talking about a mystery that is being revealed, something that Jesus says, you wouldn't know all of this if I hadn't shared it with you. You see, to Jesus, for us to be a part of his church, attending church, of course, that's important. Jesus would say, yes, I want you to attend church, but even more so, I want you to be a part of a body of mine. That's how important this is. Every local church is an individual body of Jesus. Fox River is an individual body of Jesus. So Jesus would say, I want you to be a part of Fox River or to be a part of some other body of your choosing, but a church that you can say, I can be here and I can be a participating part of that. Then he wraps up with these words, verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, the first time these words were being read, you could have heard a pin drop. In fact, I'm sure that you did hear Bibles dropping and falling on the floor. People were just, you know, they were sitting there with their mouth like, they couldn't believe what they were hearing because what they were hearing was so absolutely countercultural to what was being lived out at that time. In fact, you see, Jesus is going to do something that is literally revolutionary when it comes to marriage and relationships. If we were to step back into that time, a little bit of the, the history of what we'd be stepping back into, culturally, women were regarded at this time, the time of Jesus and for millennium before this, they were regarded as chattel. Now, chattel is a word that you see just kind of keep coming up in the different histories over and over again. It's not necessarily a complimentary word. Chattel meant a personal possession. It actually was a personal possession other than real estate. I just want to say right now, ladies, don't be hating on the messenger. <laughs> in Jewish marriage, women had zero legal rights and was absolutely under her husband's control and possession to do it as he will. That's a Jewish marriage. The Greek marriage, though, the Greek world at the time, William Barclay tells us, their position was worse. There was no companionship. She was responsible to run the man's home, care for his legitimate children, while he would find his companionship and pleasure elsewhere. Now, there's one other culture that made up the main body of this church and the Roman Empire, which, of course, was the Roman culture. And historian Charles Steltman, he says this, and think about this, we're going down another step. He says, a girl was completely under her father's power, a wife completely under her husband's power. She was chattel. There's that word again. Her life was one of legal incapacity, which basically amounted to enslavement. Her status was described as imbecilitous, or from which the word imbecile comes from. To the Roman husband, fidelity would have been a laughable thing. There was a prayer that Jewish men would pray on a regular basis, and the prayer went like this. Oh God in heaven, I thank you that I was not made a Gentile, or a slave, or a woman. Now, set beside the culture of the day and what we know about it right now, what Jesus has just told us in Ephesians 5 about marriage. It was like literally, it was mind-blowing. 
You see, the Jesus difference in marriage, and you could say this, the Jesus difference in any other area of our life, it's this. It's redeeming and it's better. In marriage, Jesus is going to redeem it and he is going to make it better. The first thing Jesus does, he redeemed the value of women. And he did so when he called them to be disciples of his. There was no Jewish rabbi that would have even considered allowing a woman to become a disciple of his because they were, at best, a second-class human being. Women in this time, they have been exempted from reciting the Shema. Now, the Shema was the Jewish declaration of faith. Faithful Jew would say the Shema every day. Many would say it first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. And the Shema stated this. The Shema went, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. Powerful, isn't it? But the women, they didn't have to say it. Why? Because they were women. It'd be like today saying, don't you just love the Lord's Prayer? I mean, Lord's Prayer is a powerful thing. But if you're a woman, you don't even need to pray it because like, you're women. As I said, don't be hating the messenger. Jesus, in calling women up to be disciples of his, make them messengers or proclaimers of the kingdom of God. He goes beyond that and then he gifts women with gifts so that they are going to be essential parts in the body of Christ and what's going forth. In fact, if you were to just read the book of Romans, you'd come to the last chapter, which happens to be chapter 16, and in it, Paul takes almost an entire chapter in the Bible just thanking and highlighting people that had made a difference for Jesus, difference in the church, like high-level leaders just like himself. There's 27 names mentioned there. Get this, eight of them are women. Paul would say, like, tears of mind, things that were being incredibly accomplished. See, Jesus had redeemed the value of women and made it better. Now, with marriage, we need to go back to the origin to understand what actually took place with this. So if you go back, if you have a Bible open, you'd go to the very first page, Genesis chapter one, and the next page, Genesis chapter two. And in it, you find that God creates man and women as co-regents over creation. He creates them with, you might wanna just make a mental note of this or write this term down. He, he notes a male-female mutualism. Now what's male-female mutualism? It means different and equal. Man and woman were created different. And all the men and women here said, yeah, yeah amen, right? I mean, we're different, but they were equal. Both of them were made in the image of God. Then in marriage, he brings them together. In the Hebrew term, Ezer Kenabel, it means a like opposite helper. <laughs> it's just so funny the way these words flow together, right? A like opposite helper. So that, that's what marriage was intended to be. The two come together and they become one and one flesh. That's Genesis 1 and 2. And God says at the end of Genesis chapter 2, this is very good. It's the only time he uses very here. He said, this is very good. Now you turn the page again, you get to Genesis 3, and all of a sudden you get 
sin being introduced into the world, and hence sin gets introduced into marriage as well. And it affects it. The effect, God actually points out to Eve with these words, Genesis 3. He said to Eve, and your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. What happened when sin enters into a marriage relationship? There is the desire to control or there is the desire to dominate your spouse. It's to be able to put yourself first or to get yourself in the place of you can edge out over them. This is when patriarchism, I mean, you know, it goes forth and might makes right and, well, we know that things just continued to be hard and not what God intended them to be. So what did Jesus do to redeem this? In Galatians 3, there was these stratas that Jesus just tore down. So in Christ, all of you are children of God through faith. And that's just a great place to say, I'm a child of God through putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Everyone in here. And if you've done that, then that's you. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now notice what Jesus did. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Now this is how things were. You had, you had Jews and you had Gentiles. And they, the two, I mean, they were never going to be. The Jew was over the Gentile in every way. But in Jesus, now you have this mutualism. You've got Jews and you've got Gentiles. They're different and they're equal. You've got, you've got free people and you've got slaves. I mean, definitely like one over the other. Jesus goes, but in me, there's this mutualism. It's different, but there is this equality. And then in male and female, God takes it and he goes right back here. You are different and you are equal. The mutualism he restored. See, just knowing this, makes such a difference in understanding what Jesus wants to do in life and in this world. Let the record show, there is no person in history that has done more for women's rights, women's justice, for women's equality, for women's value than Jesus himself. He redeemed what God had initially put forth. But remember, when it comes to marriage, he just didn't redeem it, but Jesus said he makes it better. Now, how does he do that? Well, Jesus, through his instruction and through his example, through giving the Holy Spirit and his power, is going to help anyone that is married with their marriage. Now, this starts back in verse number 21. Remember, we read these words together. Let's read it one more time. Everybody, submit to one another out of reverence for what is being stated here is an evidence of your yielding to the Holy Spirit or your being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've heard about the Holy Spirit um, a couple times today already. In Ephesians 5, this is, it's been talking about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you are? When you are willing to do this and you are stepping into it, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability, the power to be able to submit to one another. Now, in marriage, that is the foundation. Because in the next verse, when it says, why submit yourself to your husbands, the word submit isn't even actually in that verse. So if you've been looking for a reason to cross that verse out of the Bible for a while, 
that, that word submit, it's like it, it's implied. Submit yourselves one to another, wives to your husbands. Now, this first word, it was crazy. Everybody goes like, that's crazy. The reason it was crazy because what choice do we have at this time? I mean, there's a couple exceptions that you may be able to find, but they are rare and they're few and far between. I mean, a woman didn't have the choice whether she was gonna be forced into submission or not on the outside. But on the inside, there's a big difference when you choose to submit to someone rather than being forced to do so. When the word went to the man, and husbands, love your wife. You know what people are going? That's crazy. Like, everybody, men, women, like, that's crazy. Because they were saying, like, what does love have to do with anything? Right? I mean, like, we don't, that's not required of us in marriage. What are you thinking? And so we have this distinction between what we can call Christian marriage and the not Christian marriage. The Christian marriage is the one that has the Jesus difference. In the Christian marriage, you basically sum it up this way. I put you first. And you put me first. That's the Jesus difference that we're making it. Now, the non-Christian marriage works like this. I put me first. And you put you first. I use you while you try to use me. Does that make sense? I mean, the contrast is huge. The Jesus difference can make such an incredible difference. Now, how do you get it, right? I mean, like, okay, how do you get the Jesus difference in your marriage if you're married? There's two essentials. It's not the only things you can do to, to put in there, but there's two essentials that we need. You might want to write them down, though I think you're going to remember them. If you want the Jesus difference in your marriage, then first of all, you need to put Jesus first. I'm talking about that even individually. You've gotta put Jesus first in your life. Because as you choose to follow Jesus, his lordship, his kingship in your life, you as a follower of his, so will go your following of his instructions to you in marriage. If you are a husband, here's my word of advice to you. Do everything you can to help your wife to be able to grow in her relationship with Jesus. Encourage her, pray for it in that way. And vice versa, if your wife, do everything you can to help your husband in following Jesus, in being able to grow in his relationship with him. If that means, you know, going to church together, it's like, if you're willing to go to church with me, like, I, I, I'll make that my priority. I mean, we'll, we'll cancel other plans if you are willing to go with me. I mean, I'll go with you. If you would be willing to pause and pray, whether it's at a meal, maybe it's before you go to bed, but just take a moment and to pray together. If you can encourage them to be in a small group of some sort, and whether it's just you know a women's group or a men's group or if it's a couple's group that way, something that you know is gonna help them in just being able to follow Jesus a little bit more. If it means like, hey, we'll open up our home, you know, bring it over, I know it's inconvenient, we gotta clean up or get things ready, but if this, is gonna, if this would help you to grow in Jesus, then I know it's gonna help us in our relationship as well. Now you may go, that's fine and good guy if your spouse is also a follower of Jesus, but you know, like, my spouse isn't a follower of Jesus, what am I supposed to do? And the loving response is this. 
What does your spouse, being a follower of Jesus, have anything to do with you putting Jesus first in your life? What does your spouse have to do with you doing what Jesus asked you to do? It works so much greater when there's synergy, but we can do what Jesus asked us to do and not try to make them do it as well or condition our doing it on them. You see, if our relationship in marriage is a reflection of our relationship to Jesus, now hear me, and it is. How's your relationship with Jesus based on your marriage? Now, I, for years, would have been, you know, I'd been the first one to argue this. Whoa, 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 excuse me, excuse me, sir. Um, my relationship with Jesus is way better than my relationship in my marriage. Or my relationship with Jesus is way better than my relationship with, De- with Denise right now. But the truth is this, it wasn't. And my relationship with Denise was really showing me what my relationship with Jesus was and continues to be. And as convicting as this is, it is such a powerful and important truth. And it is a gift to us to be able to grow in our relationship with him. So we need to, personally, we gotta put Jesus first if you want the Jesus difference in your marriage. Second, we need to practice forward. Most of us that are married, when you got married, you exchanged rings. And if you happen to have, you know, a wedding ring, I just want you just to, just to kind of touch it right now. I want you to get a little tactile right there. I just want you personally just to, you know, to, to touch your ring because there's an incredible lesson that's given to us in this. And it's a relationship lesson. Now, the truth here will be if you're married or not. We're just gonna make a marriage application in just a minute. All relationships in life take place on somewhat of an uphill plane. Some relationships are way more uphill than others, but all of them, there's an uphill um, aspect to it, which means a relationship left to itself is going to do this. I mean, naturally, a relationship just, it's gonna move backwards. So if you want to, I wanna keep my relationship where it is right now, I've actually gotta put energy to keep it where it is, because if you do nothing, it's going to move this way, okay, you follow me? If you want your relationship to move forward, it will because you are putting energy, regular energy into it that's going to move it forward. As soon as you stop, now we'd like to think it just holds where it's at, but it doesn't. As soon as you stop putting energy into it, it begins to move backwards that way. So the question is this, what are you doing right now to put energy into your relationship with your spouse? And I'm talking about like in the last seven days. What have you done to move your relationship forward. It, it may be for you, it's like, you know, if you don't know your spouse's love language, you just feel like, I'm gonna find out what these love languages things are. You know, Google them. Like, okay, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do my spouse's love language. Or, or we're gonna try and do a date night. Or we're just gonna take um, some time to talk. Or we're gonna keep current accounts rather than just kind of let things, you know, really build up, build up, build up that way. But I'm gonna be purposeful. I'm gonna be intentional. Because if you are, if you practice forward, you can continue to do this. But as soon as you stop, and here's where a lot of us are at right now. I mean, this is, we, we, we're just not putting, we're not putting energy into it. And you do that long enough, and fortunately, unfortunately, it'll fall right off. You all know stories. We all know stories, right? You know, um, ha- ha- you know, happy family, kids, they leave home, husband and wife get divorced. 
And you go like, oh, it's just because the kids moved out and they just don't have anything in common anymore. You know what the truth is? This happened a long, long time ago because they stopped putting energy into their relationship and their relationship was way down here. The kids were just camouflaging it before. This is the essential for us. And I'll add to this. When you need help in marriage, get it. And let's say if you need help, because everybody needs help in marriage. It's complicated, it's, it's, it's hard. But the younger you are, the, the shorter the amount of time that you've been married, the quicker you need to be to move toward help. If you can find somebody that's a little bit older, you know what you're gonna discover? Older people, they know a whole lot about sex and they know a whole lot about, about kids. They know about you know, handling problems. They know about understanding the opposite sex because one of the things that you don't know is what you don't know. And there's so much that we don't know about the opposite sex. <laughs> and again, everybody said, yeah, like for sure, like, like amen. You think you're doing young and then the, the older you get, I've been married over 40 years right now. And you know, to say I'm starting to understand it, it's a stretch for me, you know, at that point. A couple things that we do here. Because a part of our commitment to fight for the family is also to try and help marriages, you know, to try and breathe health into them. So on every Tuesday night, there is a ministry here called Reengage. Reengage is whole is just, the sole purpose of it is, is to help marriages to move forward, to help you to be better in your marriage and to get better in your marriage that way. I'd ask John and Luann if they would just throw out to the group that's in there right now, hey, what's has Jesus made any difference in your relationship? And I thought I might get a little bit back to be able to share. I got three pages of material that just like, it just flowed right back to me. So I just wanna give you a couple of these. Um, Joe, with his wife and re-engaged, says this. One of the biggest changes Jesus made in our marriage is that we're learning ways to show each other love and respect. Uh, Casey said this. Growing in my relationship with Jesus has helped us grow in our marriage. He's aligned our values and helped us to act on them in a positive way. He's opened both of us up to open and honest communication. Cool. Dylan, last one I'm gonna read here, shared this. Jesus has opened my eyes up to so much. Being willing to sacrifice, lead, teach, and submit to my wife when called in situations was so foreign to me. Being open and honest to love her like Jesus does the church is teaching me valuable lessons about how to love and about love itself. He said Ephesians 5.25 has quickly become one of his favorite verses for that very reason. It's an unyielding, unconditional love that I want my wife to feel every day. If you're interested in re-engage, you can scan the QR code or just you know, come out on Tuesday. There is childcare that's available then. It's also another opportunity. It's gonna start um, tonight, six o'clock. Pastor Bill and Nicole, they're leading a um, you know, couples group on marriage. They'll be together for several weeks in that. Again, you can scan the QR code. You can come out. There are also paid childcare that's available if you'd like to be a part of that. The hope is better because it can continue to get better and better and better and better. That's the Jesus difference that it can make in marriage for us. One of the reasons this is so important to Jesus is because marriage is intended to be a light to the world. Back in that day, the difference between a Christian marriage and a non-Christian marriage, it was so great. 
Some things were laughed at, some things were ridiculed, and everybody that didn't have it, I mean, they said, there, like, I want that. That is what I'm longing for. We think about our marriage today. What kind of light are we putting forth to others? Because Jesus said, that's what I want for you. Now, maybe that you're not married. If you're not married, the word and challenge today is this. Would you live your life in such a way that you would be the kind of person, the kind of Jesus follower that you would want to be married to? Because I don't know if you ever, you know, whether you will be, whether you want to be or anything, but to live your life in that way, if it happened, this is the kind of person that I would want to be married to. For those that are dating, huge challenge here. But to live your life, to be the kind of person that you'd want to be married to while you're dating. There are so many pulls and cultural you know, pressures against doing and being that. I mean, it's like, you know, you got to compromise your values now, you know, live one way now because you're going to be different when you get married. And I hope that you will not fall into that trap. But you'll choose to put Jesus first now in dating. Date the kind of person that you would want to be married to. And should that thing ever happen, that you can be in a better place. So to those that are married, final question is this. Is Jesus making a difference in your marriage now? Because if he's not, it's because he's absent. Would you choose to put Jesus first and to practice forward? It could be this weekend that you're joining with us and just hearing about Jesus and how he loves each individual that make up his church. He's sacrificed for them, given himself the commitment that he has. But you've yet to receive him as your savior. And if you are at that place, in which you understand that Jesus' death on the cross, it was for you. His resurrection, it shows the reality and the power of all of this. And today, in repentance, you would come to him. Then he will open his life and life to the full to you. So my prayer is gonna be a three-part one. First of all, I wanna pray for each person that is married in here, that we would choose to put Jesus first, to practice forward. In fact, if you're married and you happen to be by your spouse, I just wanna encourage you right now just to lean over to him, to whisper these words, love you, forward to them. Or you can text them if you want, but. <laughs> but that's our prayer. If you're at the place of ready to receive Jesus, then to do so. And if you're in a place you haven't been putting Jesus first in your life, and you just know you need to repent, that you're ready to do that. Would you join with me? Jesus, thank you that you not only redeemed marriage, but you made it better. It's not automatic, but it's your will. And for those that are married here, as they 
make the commitment to you, Jesus, yes. Yes, I'm gonna do what you said. Holy Spirit, give them power, give them perseverance. Help them. For those that have walked away from you, Jesus, and doing what you want in marriage or in life, even as we repent now and say, I'm turning back to you, Jesus. And finally, for each person that's here, those that are listening all over the world, realizing that you died for me, Jesus, I ask you, would you be my Lord and my Savior? It's best I know how, that's what I'm asking of you. If that's your prayer today, to trust Jesus as Savior, can I ask, would you just boldly lift up a hand saying, Guy, that's my prayer today, to receive and trust Jesus. Yeah, all over, that's cool. Others. Thank you, Jesus, for saving grace. And I pray that your redeeming will continue to go forth. We pray this in your name and everybody in agreement said. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast. Thank you.